1: Southern to, to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're in the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg this afternoon. Rainy afternoon here in South Mississippi. We're glad you're tuned in on one of our Super Topic affiliates or online wherever you choose to find us. We're grateful that you do. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit proud supporters of Southern Miss Athletics and, of course, the Eagle Hour. We appreciate them mightily. We encourage you the next time you have a taste for some delicious barbecue, check out Dickie's. You can enjoy it in the dining room through the drive-thru. Take out however you choose. Dickie's uh, should be your first choice when it comes to barbecue. Patrick McGee, uh, sports editor of the Biloxi Sun-Herald, joining us later in the show. But first, we're very glad to... Have Kendall Rogers, who's the managing editor of D1 Baseball, on with us today—the go-to publication for college baseball. First of all, Kendall, thanks uh, very much for your time.
2: You got it, man. I'm I'm looking forward to this. You know, last uh, what month and a half of the regular season. I can't believe it. We've gone from. You know, back in the fall, not even sure if we we're going to have college baseball. Now we're already a month and a half away from the postseason. I can't believe
1: it. Yeah, it's gone by really fast, but it's just been wonderful to have college baseball back. Well, Kendall, we have a couple of things we'd like to talk to you about today. First uh, would be the announcement last week by the NCAA that I guess yeah. for the first time ever, they're going to predetermine uh, you know, regional sites now. I'm going to assume you would agree with me that any chance Southern Miss may have had probably dissipated last night with their third loss to uh, South Alabama. But Louisiana Tech, in fact, I read an article just today where their athletic director said they're all in in an effort uh, to try to land a regional. So the question would be the predetermination of the regional sites. What does that mean for the smaller schools like the Louisiana Techs and USMs of the baseball world?
2: You know what? I actually don't feel like Southern Miss is out of it yet. I mean, you think about it now. I mean, let's say they go to Ruston, win three or four, they win their next two or three series, and leading up to May tenth, they've now won. You know what? Let's say let's say they've won four straight series leading up to May tenth. The RPI because of the road, you know, the road, the three wins in Ruston would probably go way up. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I don't think they're out of it uh, now. Have they put themselves? Uh, at, a, at a disadvantage a little bit, absolutely. But uh, I still feel like they're in a situation to where uh, you know they could get themselves right back in the mix. Uh, with that said, uh, Louisiana Tech is going to be tough to overcome uh, in terms of getting a host site, just because when you look at Tech, you know they they have the conference resume, uh, they have the non-conference resume. That you know they went out and played those SEC teams on the weekend, uh, and they went two and two. Uh, they, yeah, they went two and two against them. So. They played pretty well against a pretty tough competition. They have not shied away from really good teams. Not to say Southern Miss has, but I'm just saying their resume is very stout, which is why their RPI is where it is. And so uh, Louisiana Tech sitting in a good spot. Uh, you know, I would say this. You, you know, if you, if you think back in college baseball uh, history, think of how many teams, especially the mid-major and upper-mid-major upper, upper mid-major level, like Conference USA, uh, these teams that, you know, had strong, strong Mays, they went deep in their conference tournament, and because of that, they earned a regional host. Well, that that's no longer going to happen. Like, whatever is your status on May 10th is your status in terms of being able to host. So there's no doubt it hurts mid-majors uh, because a lot of their a lot of their hay is made uh, late in May. But, uh, you know, this is one of those years where the NCAA feels like they need three weeks uh, to prepare for the postseason. And, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of it, but I'm also one of those people who – I look at the silver lining, and we could, we could also be in a situation to where we have no co-season, so I'll take it for now. Right.
1: large. Uh, I guess the opinion is, though, this is a one-year deal. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've not, not heard from any sources that this plans on being a permanent uh, issue in college baseball or a
1: permanent deal. Right, Luke, get in here with us. Kendall, you know, the the
0: pinball effect, going back and forth, you know, judging uh, national rankings and RPI rankings. In your mind, what is more important for a team?
2: Oh, RPI, without a, without a doubt. I mean, hey, I love our rankings as much as anybody, but, I mean, at the end of the day, what matters is RPI. And, and frankly, you know, I, I know the committee looks at our rankings, but ultimately I think that the ultimate determinant is pretty much the RPI. Now, what will be really interesting – is, you know, how how the committee, and this is where rankings kind of come in, come in as a factor, but, like, if you look at the Big Ten, for instance, you know, Michigan uh, has an RPI in the 60s, but they're ranked in the top 25. Louisville, out of the ATC, is even a, a, a better example. I think their RPI is, like, 58 right now, and they're ranked the uh, top 10 by everybody. So I do think this year, more than ever, because of COVID and because of some of the schedule alterations, that rankings will be more important than they have been, but at the end of the day, I still think the NCAA committee is going to use the RPI uh, as the ultimate ultimate metric.
0: Yeah, we're in total agreement with the RPI has always been the favorite. The reason I ask that is, you know, if we if we look at Louisiana Tech or Southern Miss Tech right now, top ten RPI team. I mean, because they don't play in a Power Five conference, I mean, could you see a top ten RPI team not getting a national seed?
2: No, I mean, I, I think the I think the biggest thing will be like who hosts. You know, for instance. You know, this is this could be one area that actually does hurt Southern Miss a little bit, is, or even Louisiana Tech. I don't think it's going to happen with, with Tech, but this hurts Southern Miss' chances. Is you know, if they're if they're trying to move these around geographically and make location matter and things like that. You know, if you look at it right now, you're looking at Starkville, uh, Oxford, uh, Ruston, and you know Southern Miss is going to have to have a really strong resume to basically have a fourth host within a you know 10 mile radius and so uh, you know that's going to be really inter- interesting to see just what happens. I'm, I'm very curious to see what they do just from a spreading out standpoint because for instance, like another name out of the ACC is the Midwestern host for sure. like do they give Michigan despite its you know 60-ish RPI? do they give Michigan a second Midwest host? And also like how do we sort out the West Coast? you know Oregon has told me they're going to submit a bid to host a regional. But, like, do do the California teams, because of state COVID regulations, do they even care to, like, bid for a regional? Because if you only have 100 people there, why host a regional?
1: Right. Yeah, uh, that's true. Kendall, tell us, Tell for those of us that may not understand, I'm in that group. How can a team be, how can there be such a difference in the national ranking of a team and the RPI? And you just used two good examples of that.
2: Yeah, I just think the biggest thing is is this year, especially, is COVID. Uh, things are just a, a lot different than they were last year. You know, Louisville, for instance, if you look at Louisville's resume, um, and you just kind of broke down each series, each weekend. Like, you come away going, okay, like, I like this resume. The problem is they have, like, a midweek loss to Morehead State. They lost, like, their, their season opener to Western Illinois, who I have a look lately, but I guarantee you their RPI is, like, you know, 260 or something like that. So they just have a couple of bad losses here and there that have really kind of weighted down their RPI. So, you know, this is a year, if it was a normal season, I would say Louisville has no shot to be a top-six team, and they're probably not a top-ten team. But this year, you know, they passed the eyeball test, but the, the, the RPI is just not following suit. All
1: right, Luke,
0: one more question for Kendall. Yeah, one more question, Kendall. So Conference USA, most of the time, just a 2 bid league, and uh, in the yeah. past, in the last few years, it's been Tech or FAU – this year, four teams in D1 baseballs right now, top 30. Charlotte is at 21, a spot ahead of Southern Miss. Of course, take at seven. Old Dominion Old Dominion's at 29. And those two teams, Old Dominion and, and Tech, play a two-game series at the end of the season that won't have any conference ramifications. Do you think Conference USA is a, a three-bid league as, as a lock and maybe a four-bid league?
2: I mean, I would say unless there's a bit, you know, unless Old Dominion or... Charlotte goes, like, you know, 1-7 and 7 or 0-8 against the other. Uh, I mean, I think it's a four-bid league. I mean, I think when you look at ODU and Charlotte, Southern Miss, these are all teams that went out and played people in non-conference. And they went out and they were really consistent in non-conference. So, you know, if, if you're consistent in non-conference and you're good in your league, uh, you're going to get in this year, especially if, you, if your RPI is respectable. What's really interesting to me about Conference USA is, what if I would have told you, you know, a while back, or you know, even last year, that Conference USA would get four bids. You know, by the way, Rice isn't one of them. I think that just says a lot about the trajectory of this league. You know, the fact that Rice is dead last in the league, and they're poised to get four bids. This is a good development for Conference USA.
1: Kendall, unfortunately, we're short on time, uh, but we really appreciate your time on the show. And now that we've located you, we may be calling on you again in the future. We uh, we love your insight, and I'm. I'm sure our fans do, too. Uh, real quickly, we've got just a few seconds left. Your prediction of uh, of what sort of seeds Southern Miss may secure when this is all over?
2: Uh, I mean, I think they're a slam dunk number two right now. I mean, we'll see how things look in a month and a half. But uh, right now, for me, they're a two seed. They've been very consistent. Uh, the RPI is in line with a two seed. And, boy, I just, I just hope that they get my guy Gabe Shepard in line. I mean, I, I hated to see him struggle last night because – He's a good kid. He's really, really talented. And certainly they would love to have him clicking on all cylinders in the
1: postseason. No question. Kendall, we appreciate your time very much, my friend. And we'll look forward to talking to you again him. soon. Yeah, y'all
2: be safe.
1: Thanks. All right. Kendall Rogers, everybody, managing editor of D1 Baseball, who predicts Southern Miss will be a lock for a number two seed in the NCAA regionals. Big games this weekend. We'll talk about the uh rather depressing game last night and what's ahead for the Golden Eagles next. Hang on. Southern Miss, to the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, we want to thank Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball for joining us in the first segment of the show. The second segment, of course, sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net, our good friends on Hardy Street, where you'll find the greatest Southern Miss apparel on the planet. They're open six days a week, or you can shop online at campusbookmark.net. It's Wednesday. We go down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast uh, to get a hold of the professor, our good friend Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun. Harold Patrick, uh, another bad performance last night for Southern Miss against a South Alabama team that just had their number all year long. Uh, They seem to have really strong midweek pitching. The Golden Eagles had good midweek pitching last night after the first inning, but uh, how harmful was that uh, loss last night for the Golden Eagles?
3: Well, it didn't help. You know, uh, in terms of whenever you have three losses, three losses on the schedule to South Alabama, uh, that you know that doesn't help. Again, at midweek, only has so much impact on all this. If they kind of take care of business and conference play against Louisiana Tech and, and Florida Atlantic, and really the rest of the slate, they'll be fine. But it was it was a setback, and more so just from uh, when it comes to momentum. I think what it was seven straight wins for, right? Uh, uh, something like that. So I mean, it's it's just kind of a, a you know potentially momentum staller going to Louisiana Tech, and that's not what you want. So, uh, you know, it, the again the world's not falling apart because you lost to South Alabama, but uh, that was that was that was disappointing. Uh, yeah. To you know, you're coming. Charlie Fisher is not in the lineup, and then you, all of a sudden you go out there and you get shut out.
1: Yeah, disappointing. I think is the best word. Uh, but there was a bright spot, and uh, for the second time, we've seen that. Uh, There's so much pitching depth on this team that you can uh, go Johnny Holstaff during the week, and uh, these guys have pretty much shut down Alabama and South Alabama in the the last two midweek games.
3: Yeah. I mean, that depth that we talked about before the season is still there, even though uh, Gabe Shepard is struggling and uh, isn't making anywhere near the contribution that was expected out of him this season. So uh, they're going to be able to compete pitching-wise. You know, it's not going to be perfect every timeout, but – uh, if you're able to get to, uh, you're playing, you know, five games in the in the course of uh, five days, and you're able to go out there and really compete pitching wise every day, so that's not something just any team can do. Uh, so yeah, it's, it tells you that Southern Miss is a team, even if they're not hosting, even though not a one seed or even a, a two seed. If you put them in a regional, they got a chance to to kind of uh, make something happen just based on the depth on the pitching
1: staff. And I think they have that chance this weekend. I think they could have easily won three of the four games against Louisiana Tech two weeks ago. I th- I think they have to uh, they have to go into this uh, weekend series with confidence that they can win the series.
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think uh, just their recent play in Conference USA gives them that confidence going in. Uh, you really kind of put it to Texas San Antonio in three games. Uh, then you sweep, you know, UAB's not a hot, uh, great team, but you get that sweep pretty easily. Uh, so I, I think they come in with a pretty good bit of uh, confidence. Uh, it's all a matter of how they're going to hit. Uh, they're going to get enough pitching to win two to three games in, at Ruston, but it is, are the bats going to deliver with, with. It seems unlikely that Fisher will be in the lineup again this weekend. Uh, if he is, you know, it'll be a bit of a surprise. So uh, it's just. Figure out a way to produce runs, and you know Danny Lynch and uh, these other guys are starting to hit it well. And Reese Ewing has, has done a really good job The lineup Has come together to to be a decent unit. So you got to go out there and score seven or eight, you know, run runs a game to really have a chance. But uh, they have a shot going up there without a doubt.
1: Yeah, I saw a picture of Fisher's hand last night. I don't, I don't think there's any way in the world uh, he grips yeah. a bat for a while. Look, get in here with the professor.
0: Yeah, I thought it was interesting last night, Patrick, that uh, Wilks uh, just basically the he replaced Fisher. The lineup stood the same. Uh, good thing Wilks didn't strike out last night and uh, put the ball into play. Um, do you expect maybe Ewing to slide up to that three-hole or, or Lynch or, or somebody, maybe even Sargent, slide up to the three or rather than it just be a plug-and-play for Wilks this coming weekend? Or do you think he needs to be put in that three-hole against Tech?
3: Uh, I mean, I <laughs> – in my opinion, I probably wouldn't put him in the three hole going into this weekend. I think Barry might uh, give himself the liberty, especially coming off being shut out. I think he'll give himself the liberty to go ahead and maybe move up. I think it does make sense to move Sargent up and then just kind of move the lineup up from there. Uh, I think that would probably be the best idea, uh, if not move Trimble down to the three and put somebody else at the two. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think it's a, he's going to have to make some match. some. I don't, it, you know, to to plug in Slade Wilkes at such a crucial point at the three. Yeah, he didn't strike out, you know, last night. And he has swung the bat better here lately. He looked much better, uh, gaining some confidence there at the plate. Uh, if, if he can, you know, it, I'm not saying he won't play in the three hole, but I think Barry uh, should feel, you know, free to put whatever, you know, uh, I, I'm with you, probably moving Sergeant up to the three.
0: Uh, I've been a Southern Miss fan um, uh, from from day one of my life, and it's just so uh, Southern Miss this weekend that we go in without our uh, one of our best hitters and the rehab, you know, trying to get Gabe Shepard restarted have not come to pass. Patrick, I mean, think about what it would be had Shepard had a really good outing last night, and you would have your you know three hole three hundred plus hitter going into Tech this weekend, but. Kind of uh, par for the course for Southern Miss. Got to find a way to do something uh, without some guys they could have used for sure.
3: Yeah, it's so strange to be sitting here where Southern Miss is and, and Shepard not able to uh, – I mean, the last two outings he's had were particularly rough. Uh, so it's it, you hate it for him. Uh, he's apparently lost some confidence. And, and But they're able to put it all together. I mean, they've done it all season long. You know, They might have one guy who – Kind of stubbed his toe a little bit, but they've got somebody ready to go right behind him that seems to kind of do the job. So uh, Southern Miss's staff is, you know, uh, Hunter Stanley's good on Friday. You got Walker Powell, Ben Etheridge really developed, and you have Drew Boyd, who's really become a steady guy, pitched really well against UAB, I thought. So all the pieces are there for Southern Miss in that pitching staff. It, it, it's just crazy to think how good they can be if Shepard was anything close to as good as he was yeah. uh, back, you know, a couple of years ago. I mean, you're talking about a, a team that's you know, probably got three, three or four a few losses on the schedule up to this point, if Gabe Shepard is right.
0: Right. Looking last night, even though how, how difficult it was, Montenegro is on fire. I think he's uh, 30 out of the last 61. The average has come up almost 200 points since about uh, a month and a half ago. Um, it's pretty amazing what he's done in the last uh, four weeks, Patrick.
3: Yeah, and, and you always knew. Gabe, of all the guys that were kind of scuffling there uh, through March and early in the season, you knew Gabe Montenegro was going to uh, get right at the top of that lineup, and that's what they need. Uh, he's really the, catalyst, the most important catalyst, I think, in the entire lineup. Uh, he and Trimble, there at the top of the lineup. They do a good job. And uh, Trimble, you know, he's hit around 280, which is fine. I think they'd like to see his bat and average kind of bump up a little bit here in the weeks to come. Uh, but, yeah, if, if Montenegro is going, really the lineup as a whole can, can score it, you know. Put up the necessarily output to to win uh, baseball games. So I think Montenegro is a guy that's you know he he is who we expect of him. He's playing what we playing the type of ball that we've always always expected out of
1: him. So for people that may not know, what exactly happened to Shepard? Go back to that regional a couple years ago when he was just lights out. What happened since then,
3: Patrick? Well, the in the COVID shortened season, he was dealing with some arm fatigue. Uh, they early in the season. They had to shut him down, and he was just about to come back and I think was looking good uh, right before the season shut down. And then they kind of you know, let him rest over the summer, just trying to get him healthy. And then I, I think it was in December he uh, suffered another, another setback where he pulled a muscle in his back, and that just really kind of threw him off. I guess that's the best way to put it. And he just hasn't really been able to get right since he's come back. Uh, he's still he's such a physically strong kid. I mean, he's a well put together kid. He's basically all muscle, and uh, uh, I, I I don't have any great explanation for it. But he just he just hasn't you know make, I don't know if it's mechanic or mental or a little bit of everything right now. Uh, but he he's just never been able to stay get a hundred percent ever since he was part of that you know the win over Rice and then the the way he pitched in that regional at Baton Rouge. You're thinking you know he's a potential first round draft pick. Uh, but he just, you know, he he had a good game or two in the COVID-shortened season, but he just clearly wasn't even right then.
1: Right. Well, last night, what I observed is he he had a lot of problems with his control. The home, the three-run home run he gave up barely, barely went over the wall, and and, and that was that's a catch that maybe most nights Montenegro can make, but he just couldn't quite get his glove on the ball, and it barely got over the wall. But it looked like to me the biggest problem he's got is control. He just uh he struck out the first batter and then was just throwing balls everywhere.
3: Yeah, I think was it was it was how many guys did he walk against Alabama? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, he's really lost the plate and uh and it's it's weird to see because you saw how precise he was uh back in in 2019 against teams like Rice and and uh, Arizona State and was pitching well to close out the regular season as well. So Right. You, you hate to see a guy kind of lose the plate, but that's something that be correct, can be corrected. You just hope it's not a case of the yips.
1: All right. All right, Patrick, before we let you go, give us your prediction for what is a really big weekend for Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech.
3: I'm thinking, we're, you know, if that rust, then I think a split is probably the most likely outcome at this point. I think Southern Miss goes up there motivated. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be that one-run one, uh, one run game. Is it who, who's, 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 who's he going to go to? Uh, but they're in rust, and it's kind of hard to go up there and win three games. Uh, so I, I think a split's probably a likely outcome at this point.
1: And a lot of worse things could happen than splitting with them. Am I right about that?
3: No, that's not. That's pretty good. You're still looking at yourself as a two seed probably going in the regional if you go up there and get a split.
1: All right, Patrick, we appreciate you, buddy. We'll talk to you next week.
3: All right, thanks, guys.
1: Patrick McGee, everybody, sports editor from the Biloxi Sun Herald, and the go-to guy for Southern Miss sports information. We'll be back. Their miss to the top. Back
0: on a rainy Wednesday. Great show so far, Kendall Rogers and Patrick McGee, first two segments. If you miss those, go back and check them out later. You can always listen on demand at uh, supertalk.fm. And we're on a, a lot of platforms, kind of scary, but we're out there in the uh, the Apple world, in the uh, – the Podcasts and, and app store stitcher spotify google play and you can catch those interviews with kendall rogers and patrick mcgee uh, earlier in the show happy to have you along on a wednesday luke johnson bob getty from the first bank studios in hattiesburg and beautiful downtown laurel you shouldn't have let the rain get you down today because Fourth street bar and grill was serving that 895 lunch they had country fried steak and chicken fried chicken, mac and cheese, rice, tomato gravy, toast, mm, mm. and a drink. And it was only eight ninety five. Pork chops tomorrow. And, of course, the famous Bob Getty fried catfish on Friday. Mm. So uh, 4th Street Bar and Grill, great place to watch your favorite sports. And, of course, they will be showing the Eagles against Louisiana Tech this weekend. And it's all at 4th Street Bar and Grill. In Hattiesburg, Kelly Sander joins us on the phone. Before we get to Kelly, big win last night for the Lady Eagles out in Houston, Texas. They knock off Florida Atlantic, two to one in the quarterfinals of the Conference USA Ladies Soccer Tournament. Eagles took uh, took a, a, a two to nothing lead, and they took three shots within the first uh, forty minutes and uh, went to halftime with a one to zero lead. In the second half, just thirty seconds, and Haley. Uh Pasavitz scored, and uh, FAU tacked on one a little later in the game, but the Lady Eagles held on, and so they will be taking on Host Rice tomorrow night at 7 p.m. out in Houston, Texas. So congratulations to Coach Mo, Coach Malden, and all the ladies with that uh, quarterfinal win against Florida Atlantic. Kelly Sander joins us in a new hardwood basketball commit. Kelly?
4: Yeah, and a big one at that. Uh, it was just announced that Rashad Bolden from St. Andrews High School up near the Jackson area has signed his letter of intent to play for Coach Jay Ladner. This is the type of guy that, uh, that you'd like to sign every year. This is a kid who runs the backcourt. He is, has garnered three state titles in the past four years. So you know this guy knows how to win, and he's not once but a two-time dandy dozen player so a big get, as they say, for the Southern Miss basketball program as Rashad Bolden is now officially in the fold, guys.
0: Kelly, um, he, he's a five eleven kid, so you got to think the reason for it is this is uh, he, Jay Ladner's thinking. You know, this is going to be my trigger man, and he may not. I, I'm not saying he's going to get thrown into the fire as a true freshman next year. May need to develop some, but but Ladner's got to view this kid as somebody that can uh, can take over the point guard position sooner than later.
4: And that's the position that that they've got an all-points bulletin out for. So that is great news. But while some players are coming in, Luke, apparently some players are looking to get out.
0: Yeah, earlier in the week came to come to find out Justin Johnson who uh, transferred in Juco last year, he was number 2 on the roster this year 6-6 uh, guard. He will be entering the transfer portal according to verbalcommits.com, Justin Johnson entering the transfer portal. And I hate to see him go. He was one of the guys that was uh, vital in getting Deandre Pinkney in and uh, Pinkney started really the second half of the season. So uh, Eagles get one today looks like they may lose one. Bob, we talked about that. We talked about that because of COVID and the portal there was gonna be some some uh roster shuffling. It looks like Bob, that's already taken place.
1: It's not a big surprise, but I, I just have to tell you both of you guys, I just think this transfer portal has just opened up a Pandora's box and uh it's just far too easy, it seems to me, now for kids to uh to you know, not fulfill their commitments that they've made. Uh, you know, they're getting scholarships to make a commitment and I don't know. Kelly, am I right? Is, have we just entered an era where if I don't get to play as much as I want, I'll just go to the transfer portal?
4: Bob, you, you were a step ahead of me. And, again, you and I joke about how how people picture us as the two old Muppet guys up in right. the opera balcony you know, that just complain <laughs> about, <laughs> about everything. But you just beat me to the punch. That's exactly what I was going to say. One of the great things about sports, it taught you about discipline. It taught you about competition. It taught you about battling for your place in the pecking order. Okay, well, Well. now it's, well, I'll go, and if it doesn't work out, I'll just go somewhere else. Well, right. The, the world of employment doesn't work like that. You know, it's not like, well, if I don't like it, I'll just go to this other company. Well, maybe you won't, you know. Um, I, I totally agree. Uh, everything in the world today it's you know they want this younger generation they want you know food in 30 seconds they want you know they're they're quick to divorce all the statistics are out there you know they're just they want everything to be perfect and they want it now and if it doesn't work out they'll just go somewhere else well and right. that's going to end at some point. So, anyway, it's, you're right about It's
0: important that. for us to add here. We, we, we don't know specifically why Johnson's transferring. We do know um, that he had really a come-to-truth meeting with Coach Ladner in the midseason, and his play and his playing time really excelled after that. So, you know, there wasn't apparent buy-in. And we don't know all the dynamics for why, but Justin Johnson no longer <laughs> – with the Southern Miss basketball team, yeah, and, not sure and, what that was coming out of the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg just then, Bob. I'm not
1: sure if uh, it's something. My ate, friend, uh, no, the studio the, lightning. The, the okay. lightning is just crashing through the board here. It's yeah, and, we, and we were speak, <laughs>
4: and, and we were speaking with, about the transfer portal. We were speaking in generalities, you know, not necessarily his case, but sure. but in generalities. Other, um, other little bit about a lot of things. The Atlantic League in baseball is going to experiment with moving the pitcher's mound back. Twelve inches. They think it'll make a big difference. That the, the, the pace of the games have really slowed down. In fact, when you the the objective is, they want the athleticism of defenses to be exhibited, and the only way that that can be exhibited is for the ball to be put in play. But less and less baseballs are being put in play. In fact, this year already at the major league level, thirty-seven point one percent. Of bats at bats end in either a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. Hmm. That's I mean that's you know pushing half a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. Well, there's not a whole lot of action there. So the Atlantic League thinking of moving the the pitchers mound back 12 inches, and that will uh, obviously slow down pitches a little bit. It'll give hitters a little bit more time to recognize pitches. In the hopes that it will be put into play, so we'll see how that works That's out. That's
0: the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my life.
4: Well, when you think of ten years ago, Luke, only twenty nine percent of those of at bats resulted in a walk, strikeout, or a home run. So it's almost. I mean, we so got have higher
0: velos now for for sure, and and I get that. But but batter, I mean, pitchers shouldn't be punished because of that. You're fundamentally changing the game.
4: Well. You you don't you didn't used to get trophies for just showing
0: up either.
1: <laughs> yeah. What has not fundamentally changed in the but last? I, five no, but years? I'm saying,
0: but I'm saying, as a as somebody who I, I'm a I'm mostly baseball purist, we've gone through mash ball, we've gone and we're going through strikeout ball right now. The hitter the, the hitters will adjust to that, but you well, don't try to fundamentally change the game to to, to catch up offense when pitching's dominating.
4: But, but that has always been the case where they've tried to change offense. And the biggest move ever, of course, was the institution of the designated hitter uh, in the American League to try to score more runs. But also the idea was to prolong the baseball life of some baseball greats. Reggie Jackson comes to mind that if you had the designated hitter, some of these older guys that couldn't play defense anymore, you know, could stick around. So, I mean, there, there, it, there is ample precedent to show where baseball has tried to increase offense, and, but, but your point is well taken, that pitchers, for being so good, uh, are being punished. But uh, they want to take less emphasis, put less emphasis on pitching and more emphasis on all-around team performance. So we'll see how it It'll works out. It cause
0: more in arm injuries too, though, wouldn't it?
4: Um, not necessarily. Not necessarily, because, again, they, they are going to have to throw further, but that, that generally will mean they're not going to be able to throw as hard, which you'd think, if anything, would mean less stress on the arm. And not as much. So we'll see. But Major League Baseball is going to be watching it very, very carefully and closely to see if it's something that they may want to implement uh, going forward after this year. But those those numbers are from Major League Baseball. 37.1% of all at bats, either a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. And they want to see more singles and doubles and things like that being hit. So we'll see. Uh, let's see. Jadavion Clowney, formerly with the... Uh, the Titans, the Tennessee Titans, has signed a one-year deal with the Cleveland Browns worth $10 million, mm. wow. $10 million. so the Browns will have <laughs> quite a pair of defensive ends with Jadavion Clowney and uh, uh, Miles Garrett on the other side. So that's uh, Boy,
1: the time of great. making fun of the Browns is over. I think the Browns are legit.
4: Well, because the Browns are in the Bengals division, very few people anymore, Bob, were making fun of the Browns.
1: <laughs> no, well, I mean, they got two wins before the season ever starts. <laughs>
4: well, that's true. That's so they true. get a
1: two-game jump over over everybody <laughs> and, and, else, Kelly.
4: And our, our our daily Cincinnati Bengals joke is they signed Thaddeus Moss, who was cut by Washington. So <laughs> Boy, now the Bengals. That tells you the Bengals,
1: everything. <laughs>
4: yeah, they're picking up the scraps from a team that doesn't even have a name.
1: When you're picking up the guys that can't play for the Redskins, hit the rock bottom, brother. (laughs)
4: That's that's, that's about it.
1: That's the funniest thing I've heard all day, Kelly.
4: Hey, Bob, when we come back on, on the other side of the commercial break, some legislation dealing with sports out of the state of Iowa that is really sparking some interesting debate, even though it's from my home state, I think it's going to be very, very interesting, and we'll discuss that as the Eagle Hour continues after this commercial timeout.
1: Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top.
0: Final segment brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. The website is dbathattiesburg.com. Always something going on at DBAT and D1 Training. We greatly appreciate their sponsorship. Of the Eagle Hour, there was a f- one-hour, forty-minute rain delay for Southern Miss Beach Volleyball last night. But the Lady Eagles survived that <laughs> and put away Southeastern Louisiana and New Orleans. By uh, they put away Southeastern five to nothing, New Orleans three to two. Bob Getty on hand for for some of those matches uh, for <laughs> Lady Eagle Beach Volleyball. Yeah. Hey, how about the Southern Miss Men's Golf Team up at the Mountaineer Invitational hosted by West Virginia University Golf? Golden Eagles finish second in a field of 13 teams. Bryce Wilkinson, the junior, uh, shoots a combined 216, a 72, a 71, and a 73 yesterday. He finishes second overall. Matt Lorenz finishes 11th overall. Golden Eagles uh, had. Four golfers, five golfers, finish in the top 30. So congratulations to Coach Bresher and his team. Well done as they come home from West Virginia. Second overall in the team, and Bryce Wilkinson second overall uh, in the entire golf tournament. So that's a absolutely wonderful showing up there for our men's golf team. They'll get ready for the Conference USA Championships in Texarkana, Arkansas, uh, on April 26th. All right, Kelly. Um, what's going on in Iowa that has you so perplexed?
4: Yeah, and I want to, and I'm, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But I just want Southern Miss fans to know that that Bob Getty and I, as the two old molly grubs, we're going to take Mully care grub. of this. Yes, Go ahead. you know the Debbie Downers. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to take care of this current domination that South Alabama has on Southern Miss. Trust us from here on out. Bob and I have got it. Okay. Just leave it to us. The days of South Alabama beating Southern Mess and anything are over.
1: Capisce? Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to volunteer to <laughs> cater their food for them the next time they come to town. Right, Kelly?
4: Yeah, the Jags might, might be involved in some, <laughs> quote, in air quotes, accidents. You know, capisce?
1: <laughs> we're tired of South Alabama.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on.
1: Hold on. You were, you were responsible
0: for feeding the entire Northwestern state team. Did, yeah. did the yeah. Southern Miss win because of that?
4: No, they did not. No, They did not.
1: But but we like them better than we do South Alabama, right, Kelly?
4: For sure, and it's going to start with football season, fans. Mark it yeah. down. Take it to the bank. South Al, your days are over, and they are numbered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the state of Iowa, uh, and it's just been signed into law by Governor Kim Reynolds, the Iowa legislature passed legislation making the third week in August from here forward makes it illegal the third week of August for any children to participate in rec sports. And I know everybody's going, what in the world? Well, the theory behind, behind it is that all families will have time to spend together without being able to use youth sports as an excuse. Well, in man. hopes that families will come back together and start spending more time together as families noble idea but we'll see
1: is there anybody is there anything dumber than politicians i mean do they not understand that if your child is involved in a sport and he's playing or she's playing that weekend the whole family's out there watching them that's some of the greatest family time i've i've had in my lifetime where the the years my children played in sports, and we followed them around and participated in that. Politicians are just the dumbest humans on the planet, Kelly.
4: Well, they don't live in, in in reality. Lots of times, no. you know, they they think they know what's best, um, huh. and they talk themselves into it. But anyway, we'll we'll see. Well, and the fact that that they think that passing a law is going to stop it Correct. necessarily. Oh my word! Nice you story. know, um, so. Uh, we'll see. And and finally you probably you guys probably heard that, that Bernie Madoff, the guy with the Ponzi schemes and the mm-hmm. what they call multi level marketing or pyramid schemes, he passed away uh this morning in prison. So in order for his death to really be effective, the two guys that he brought into the business under him will have to die next, and then the four guys under them and then the eight guys <laughs> under <laughs>
1: I'll never forgive him for what he did to one of my favorite actors, Kevin Bacon. So uh, I have no sympathy for him.
4: So we'll, we'll uh, see.
1: But that's all yeah, I've got going a today. I think that's enough all for right. you, Santa. <laughs>
0: Last night in Conference USA Baseball, Troy defeats UAB 12-4. Of course, the Eagles fall to South Alabama 4-0. Rice holds on and uh, defeats Incarnate Word 15-12. Old Dominion was supposed to take on Virginia tonight, but that's postponed. So the only game in Conference USA tonight, Marshall at West Virginia. The battle for the state of West Virginia at 6.30 for Morgantown.
1: Not a a good performance last night for the Golden No,
4: you guys, and and what has happened, the the women's side of the the docket for Rice is doing well. The women's basketball team has played well. Uh, The women's soccer team is still alive in the tournament. What has happened to Rice on the men's side of the ledger?
1: Well, I can explain baseball in two words. Wayne Graham looks mighty good to Rice baseball fans right (laughs) now, doesn't he?
4: They might bring him out of retirement at age ninety-two.
1: Who knows? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Hey, though. Bob, Dave yeah. Nitz on the show tomorrow, right? Absolutely. Uh, he, this will be his last year doing Louisiana Tech uh, baseball. A real legend uh, in the state of Louisiana and in the broadcasting world. So we uh, really look forward to that. So all the guys will be back here tomorrow at one o'clock. We hope you will too. And until then, Southern Miss to
3: the to top. The top. 7, 7, 7. Into the future
1: I wanna fly like an eagle